You're listening to the Covenant original series, The God of Good. In a world where there is chaos and injustice, how can someone say that God is good? Here is part two, Good God of the God of Good. Let's start off with a story. About a year ago, my wife and I had the opportunity to have dinner with some friends. And uh, we like to have dinner with our friends, but these friends were a little bit different. They're from Pakistan. And uh, we had met in some interesting circumstances, but, but they had grown up in Pakistan. And, and, and my friend and his wife, he, he was a church planting pastor there. And uh, he was pastoring a church and planting churches. He and his wife also run one of the only Christian orphanage, orphanages in Pakistan. And it was great to be able to see them, great to be able to talk to them in person for the first time. And as we began to talk, we, we you know, walked through the normal type of pleasantries, right? We, we talked about family, we talked about uh, ministry, we talked about our hobbies and the things that we love. But after those things kind of, you know, we got done speaking about those things, I was really able to begin to press him on what, what is life like where you're from? You know, it's kind of like that. What's your neck of the woods like in Pakistan? And, and, and it was interesting. Some of the things that he shared with me were, were very interesting and, and, and very sad, to say the least. He began to talk about the fact that, uh, you know, you had to be very careful who you talked to uh, about Jesus. Uh, that was against the law. And I began to press him a little more because I, I knew that he probably wasn't going to be really forthcoming with me, you know, an American, a ginger American. And, um, and so I said, no, man, I, I really want to know, like, what's it like? And he said, honestly, it's, it's a challenge. Like, every day is a challenge. And he looked over at his wife, and he grabbed her hand, and he began to tell us a story, my wife and I, a story of how he had been robbed at gunpoint in a back alley close to his house, and how he had been stripped and beaten and, and nearly killed because of his faith. He talked about the church that he and some of his friends had built with their own hands, literally, that housed over 500 Pakistani Christians that was burned to the ground, and how these people had fled into the hills, and he was so nervous for them because he hadn't heard from any of them. He talked about his orphanage. He talked about the children that were there, the fact that many of them were literally rescued from slavery. How many of them were pulled out of sex trafficking with children, of children with adults? And he said, but this is why I love America. And I said, well, yeah, why? And he said, I love it because of, of the freedom. And I said, can you explain what that means? Because I feel like freedom through your eyes is going to look a little bit different than freedom through my eyes. And he said, here in America, you, you can sit at a restaurant like this, and, and you don't have to scan the crowd to see if you should be concerned. Here in America, you can walk into a room and you don't have to know where all the exits are, you know, per se, just in case there's a riot. Here in America, you can, you can walk along the street with your love in, in your hand, hand in hand, walking down the street. You don't have to wonder if there's going to be an explosion or if somebody's going to take your life. Here in America, you can go and you can share your faith and talk about Jesus with whoever you want without fear of being imprisoned. I looked over at my wife, and of course, she had tears in her eyes, and our hearts were literally breaking for our friends. After dinner was over, we walked out and outside, and we were saying our goodbyes, and 
I walked, I pulled him aside and I walked over and I said, man, I, I want to, I want to pray for you, but I feel like I don't know how. I don't know if you've ever had one of those times where you want to pray for somebody, you want to pray about something, but, but you don't really know how to pray for them, how to go about praying for them. And I said, I want to pray for you. I just, man, I just feel like, like I'm over here and you're over there. It's just so unfair, you know? And he grabbed my shoulders. You ever had somebody do this? He grabbed my shoulders and he looked at me dead in the eyes. And he said, no, 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 my brother, my brother. He goes, he said, who am I to say what is fair? Who are you to say what is fair or unfair? All I need to know is that God has been good and God will always be good. Which at that point in time obviously showed the man, the, the depth of this man's walk with Jesus. Those words have left an impression on me. And this morning, I, I wonder, where are you when it comes to this topic, when it comes to the goodness of God? Let me ask you, do you believe that God is good? For many of us, even many of us in this room, if you were to be asked, is God good? The answer that would come to your mind is no. I mean, let's just be honest. No, God is, is not good. Now, we may be scared to verbalize that. We may be scared if that thought has ever come to our mind. But when it comes down to it, man, we, we don't really know or we don't really believe if God is, is good. But I wonder if we're truly honest if we would admit that to ourselves. As we look around the world, will we say that God is good? Because if there was good, if God were good, then why would there be suffering? You've heard these questions before, and maybe you've thought of them. If God were good, then why is there genocide? If God were good, then why is there suffering? If God were good, why is there, why is there suicide? If God is good, then why, why were my parents divorced? If God were good, why did he take our daughter at such a young age? And then these become the things by which we judge the goodness of God, the things that happen in our culture, the things that happen to us, and we think if God were good, then he would put an end to these things. If, if God were good, then he would at least interrupt them somehow. In Romans chapter 9, Paul speaks to this in verse 14. He says this, what shall we say then? Is there injustice on God's part? And then read this with me. Say it nice and loud. By no means. Wow, that was really enthusiastic. I, I could really feel the energy. Let's try that one more time. Paul says, by no. And so you got to say it with the type of emphasis that Paul would have said it with. Is there injustice in God? No, by no means. And he goes on to say, for he says, for God says to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy on. And I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. Now, just a little bit of context. As we talked about last week, Paul uh, was wrestling with the fact that his own people, the Jews, he's now a Christ follower, but he grew up a Jew and a, and a fantastically popular Jew as well. He's wrestling with the fact that his brothers and sisters and family and loved ones, the Jews, although they were obedient in, in, in keeping the commands that God had given, although they were obedient in working at becoming righteous and accepted, the fact is they missed salvation because they miss Jesus. He goes on in chapter 9 to say that, that, that Jesus had become the stumbling stone, that they had tri literally tripped over Jesus. And so he's, he's wrestling with this. 
And what Paul is trying to, to make a case for is that God's goodness can't be judged by the amount of suffering in the world. God's goodness must be judged by the amount of mercy he has shown to the world. Now, that's where traditionally we would say something like yes or amen. So we're going to rewind and go back and do that one more time because that is a good statement. God's goodness can't be judged by the amount of suffering in the world. God's goodness must be judged by the amount of mercy he has shown to the world. The amount of mercy that he has shown to the world. Now think of the amount of suffering in our world today. Think of the amount of suffering that takes place on a daily basis. The hurt, the injustice, the pain, all these things. I mean, Paul says in one previous chapter, one chapter previous in chapter 8, verse 22 and 23, he says that all of creation groans. All of creation groans in pain because of the suffering of this world. All of creation now just think about that for a moment. Sometimes we can just read scripture and, and we don't really get to come. Right? Just take a moment and think about that. The fact that all of creation, your, your body, the, the air, our earth, the stars, the planets, the ocean, and everything in it, all the animals, they're groaning because of the separation, because of the suffering, crying out to God to be fixed Crying out to be God, to, crying out to God to be restored to the way that it was intended to be. And so when we look at this word suffering, and I don't know where you are on that today, maybe you're walking through a difficult time. So whether it's a whether it's a, a suffering or a struggle, right? When we look at that word, we when we look at injustice, when we look at the hurt that takes place, we must first understand that this was not what God intended do you know that today i would ask you do you know that do you know that the way the world works and functions today the way our bodies work and function today the way that things happen and sin takes place do you know that that is not what god intended god did not intend things to work this way he intended for things to work in a harmony together in peace together and in, in love together and yet genesis teaches us that we as humanity, we chose something different, didn't we? We chose sin. We chose sin over life. We chose sin over God's life. We, we chose that. And then the goodness was broken. Not the goodness of God, but the goodness in this world. And yet so often we cry foul against God. Am I wrong on this? Have you ever found yourself so angry at God? You look up to the heavens and you're like, why? You could stop this. Why aren't you good? If you were good, you would have stopped this. If you were good, you, they, they, they wouldn't have done this and this wouldn't have happened. If you were a good God, have I not served you? Have I not loved you? Do I need to do something more? We cry foul against God. Because we believe that God may be unfair. But here's the truth. And I love the fact that we discussed this in our Sea Life groups just a couple of weeks ago. God never claims to be fair. Do you know that? God never claims to be fair. Not, at least not our perspective of fair. 
It's, it's, it's maybe unwise to begin uh, challenging God's fairness or trying to put him in a box of fairness because maybe the definition of fair to God and the definition that we have of fair may look different. So God never claims to be fair, but God does claim to be gracious. God doesn't necessarily claim to be fair, but God does claim to be merciful. Think about it. Scripture tells us all throughout the Gospels that in an attempt to seek and save the lost, God sent Jesus. One of the most famous passages, if you ever watched a football game, then you probably have this verse memorized, right? John 3.16. See the dude in the, in the fro in the end zone holding it up every single game. That guy is rich because he's at every football game I've ever seen on TV, right? For God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son, Jesus, so that we could know eternal life. Now think about this for a minute. God sent Jesus for us to die for the sins of man. God sent Jesus to, to rise again from the dead so that we could know God and have an eternity with him. Let's talk about fair. Is that fair? Is it fair? So I'm glad that God is gracious over fair. Because it's not out of fairness that God sent Jesus. It's not out of fairness that Christ was crucified on a cross. He was a blameless, sinless man. No, it wasn't out of fairness that Christ died for us. It was out of grace. It was out of the pure grace of God that Jesus died, that Jesus rose again. So i got to be honest with you. I'm, I'm, I'm satisfied with God not being, quote, fair. <laughs> I'm thankful that he is gracious because if he were fair but not gracious, I would not have a way to know him. If he were fair but not gracious, then I would die and spend my eternity separated from him. If he were fair but not gracious, there would be no one that I could take my sins to. There would be no way for me to find forgiveness. There would be no way for this world to be restored. We broke our chance. We chose sin over God. And yet God, in his goodness, is gracious. And yet God in his goodness is merciful. You see, God's goodness can't be judged by the amount of suffering in the world. God's goodness must be judged by the amount of mercy he has shown to the world. Now, suffering is kind of an interesting thing, isn't it? It really is. Um, we tend to think that, that once we come to Jesus, I always thought this was kind of interesting, and, and this is where my mind was for a long time. I tended to think that once I came to Jesus, that suffering and struggle would like be no more. I don't know where I came up with this. It's not like I had necessarily heard that from a pastor or a preacher. I just thought once I got saved, like every day was going to be sunny when I woke up and I was going to skip through a field with Jesus and get ice cream. I don't really know what I thought. And I don't know what floods your mind. Probably a different view, picture. Maybe it involves ice cream or not. I just didn't think things were going to be a struggle. I just thought I'd be able to pray and ask God to fix something and it would be magically fixed. I didn't think necessarily that people I knew would get cancer. 
I didn't think friends that I had because I'm a Christian now would, would wrestle with addiction or sin or, or unfaithfulness or divorce or depression or anxiety. Struggling, suffering is an interesting thing. And I can tell you what I've come to learn. If you're taking notes this morning, I would, I would write this down. And I, I would maybe try to internalize this week and meditate on this thought. I have learned that suffering is part of what it means to be a Christ follower. Now, suffering is not something that just happens to you. It, it is what it means, in part, to be a Christ follower. Should we be surprised? Math, Jesus, in Matthew chapter 16, verse 24, he tells us, if you want to come after me, if you want to follow after me, pick up your cross and go. What is he saying? He's saying from the word go is struggle. From the word go, it's suffering. Later on, Scripture tells us that we are to crucify our flesh. And yet we think, well, this is going to be a walk in the park. Christianity is going to be just great. Everything's going to be happy. It's all going to be a big show tune every day, Right? That, it, that is not what it is like. It is, it is hard. It is a grind. It is, it is difficult. It is, it is tough. There will be suffering, not because God is not good, but because this world is broken. Amen? Not because God is not good, but because this world is broken. Amen? First Peter chapter 2 says it like this. When you do good and suffer for it, you endure. This is a gracious thing in the sight of God. For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who just judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, that we might die in sin and live to righteousness by his wounds. You have, we have, I have been healed. By his wounds, by his very suffering, by his very struggle, I've been healed. That's the interesting thing about suffering is that it has a healing property to it. Because although God doesn't cause the suffering, God will use your suffering. So we say that we want to know Jesus, but if we really truly want to know Jesus, then, then we have to know the suffering. If we say that we want to know Jesus, then we have to know the struggle. And it's not always in our victories but sometimes in our struggle that God will show you who you truly are. Did you hear what I just said? It's sometimes in your greatest suffering, sometimes in your greatest struggle, that God will show you who you truly are and who he truly is. Man. This is why Paul says in Romans 9 that God is just, that God is good. See, although God didn't cause the divorce that your parents went through, that was, that was sin that caused that. Although God didn't cause the divorce you went through, because God is good, he used it to teach you to depend on him. See, although God didn't cause your abuse that you've suffered through in your life, he used it 
in your life to give you a heart for people who have been belittled and broken. Although God didn't cause your addiction, he did use it to help get you involved with a group of people that would surround you and love you and walk with you for life that you would otherwise not have known. See, personal suffering exposes the difference between true faith and false faith. And for that, we can be thankful. What do you do when suffering happens? What do you do when the struggle gets too real? Isaiah 40 says this, but they who wait on the Lord, look at your neighbor and say, wait. Oh, come on, I'm this loud today. you got to help me out. Turn to your neighbor and say, wait. There you go. Isaiah says, those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not grow faint. Let me ask you this this morning. When you go through a season of suffering, do you blame God or do you wait on God? Do you blame him? Or do you wait on him? When you go through a struggle, do you get angry at God? Or do you look to see how he will work it for your good? See, true faith understands that God is good because he has already acted. True faith understands that God is good because he is currently acting. And true faith understands that God is good because he will continue to act. I've got three volunteers if you guys would come up here real quick. And as they come up, come on. Yeah, there you go. They're a little tentative. Come on up. As they come up, I want to I wanna tell you um, a little bit of a story. My, my son, Noah, he's 10 now. He loves to read. And I'm not going to tell you the series of books that he's reading because I don't want to give away, like, any spoiler. Just stand there. There you go. You stand. Okay, just keep coming. You're, this is going to, okay, here we go. Go over here. Right there. Right there. So my son... He started reading this book series. I'm not going to tell you the book series because I don't want to ruin it for you. But he has become enthralled with it. He loves it. And it's, and it's really interesting because as he's been reading this thing, he's getting angry because he's so involved. And I'm like, why are you angry? He's like, Dad, there's this guy in this book, and he is a jerk. He is just a mean guy. And I don't know why. He can help out the, person, the main character. He could help him out, but he doesn't. He's just a bad guy. The fact that he could help, but he doesn't, like, just really bothers me. Now, here's the thing. Like, I just smile and nod, and he'll say, no, I know, Dad, you've read these. Why does he do that? Why doesn't he help? Like, he's supposed to be this person. Why doesn't he do anything about this? And I just smile and nod. I'm like, oh, yeah, I don't, you know, I don't know. But here's the thing. What he doesn't know and what I didn't tell him, unless I want to be a horrible person, is that in the end of this story, that person that he's so frustrated with is the hero, because in the end of the story, he does something, right, that allows you to go back and almost reread the entire story in a different way. See, when you come to the end of the story, you realize that he was actually doing something the entire way through the novel. But you don't get to have that perspective until you're done with the story. Do you see where I'm going with this? So what happens is we come to this place in our life where you are current, okay? You are present time. You are my past. No, you'll be my past. You're my future. That's a lot. I'm just saying. Okay. So you're the future. You are the present. You are the past. And so what we do is we live out of this place right here. We say things like, I didn't get my job. Ah, he dumped me. He left me. Things are not good. And so we, got, we judge God's goodness by our present, do you see that? This is where most of us live. But, but scripture talks about a God who is much bigger than our current suffering, doesn't it? 
Scripture talks about a God who is much bigger than our, than our current issues. And what I want to tell you when it comes to understanding and asking about this God, if he's good or not, what I'm saying is you got to finish the story. You have to be able to live with an understanding that the story of God is not completed in your life. And so instead of just living in this place right here where you're like, okay, is God good? Well, let me check. I lost my job. I lost my, my, my relationship. I don't have this. I didn't get this. God is not good. Instead, what we have to do is we have to turn and we have to look at ourselves in the past. And we have to ask, has God been good to me in the past? Is anybody with me today? Is there evidence that God has been good? And then we look to our future and we say, do I know that God will be good in the future to me? How do we know that? Because we have the story. We know how it ends. Now, here's the problem. I'm going to take it on a deeper level, okay? Stand there. Here's the problem. When I say story, you're thinking about the wrong one. Because most of the time, the story that we live out is, is, is us being the main character. And what I want you to know, that's not the story that I'm talking about here. The story that I'm speaking of has God as the central character. And so for those of you who are like, no, no, I get that. Like, I'll look at my past. But listen to me, Travis. Like, there's not good in my past. There's not good stuff in my past. There's hurt, there's pain. I don't even remember some of it. I don't even want to remember it. And to be honest with you, when I look to my future, I don't know, I don't know that it's bright. I don't know that God's going to be good. Well, listen, here's what I'm saying. This isn't about your story. It's about God's story. And so let me kind of do this again. When we're in our present and we are right here and we say, okay, is God good? Well, did this happen, this happened, this happened? Okay, no, God is not good. I want to encourage you to turn and look at your past. But don't just look at your past. Look at God's past. Has God been good? And we can say yes. Why did God send Jesus in this past for you? Did he or not? So God was good because God acted. In the future. Go ahead and look at your future here. In the future. Do we know that God is going to continue to be good? Why? Because God acted to secure us an eternal life with him. Regardless of what happens right here, we can know that God was good. We can know that God will be good. So in the moment, what kind of clarification can we make? God is, God is good. He is good. You guys can have a seat. And so whether we're in a current struggle, if it's something in our life in the past, or we look to the future, we can affirmatively say that God has been good, God will be good, and God is good because God has acted, God will act, and God is acting. you got to get a different perspective, man. you got to look at it differently. you got to get up out of your own story and view the story that God is writing. It's a story that's been being written forever. Since the beginning of time, it begins and ends with God. And we have the incredible privilege to be a part of his story. But don't get it twisted. This story is not about you. This story has never been about you. And yet in Romans 8, we read the fact that for those who love God, all things work together for good. To those who are called according to his purpose. I want you to know, some of you have read that or heard that verse and you're like, that's not me. Because it ain't working out good. No, 
even if for the rest of your life you struggle and you don't understand and you feel like it's unjust, you still get Jesus. And that's what makes God good. Scripture says that one day we will spend eternity with God in a heaven where he will wipe every tear from your eye, erase every pain. See, nothing is wasted with our God. No struggle, no pain, no hurt, no ache, no loss, no suffering. God restores all things, makes all things new. And one day, man, the struggle will be worth it. One day, the suffering will be worth it. One day, when we look into the eyes of our Savior and walk into heaven as our Father says, well done, my good and faithful servant. The suffering and the struggling of this world would have all been worth it. All been. Thanks for listening to this message from our series, The God of Good. For more information on our ministries or to hear more messages just like this, visit us at covenantchurch.us.